Hello and thank you for downloading the Bunglet Cricket Podcast. I'm Roshan and in this episode we will look back at the two test series against Sri Lanka. Joining me to dissect it, Mark Machado from the Murali M Cricket Podcast. Hello Mark, how you doing? I'm good, thanks for having me man. I'm excited to be here and uh, talk at length um, about my favourite cricket team, the Sri Lanka team. Do you know what? Our sort of careers have circumvented each other quite a lot and we've never actually ended up on the same podcast. So I'm, I'm so glad to actually have you on. Yeah, well, you know, sadly, as it stands, there's never much use to have a, a Bangladesh fan and a Sri Lanka fan on at the same time, right? Uh, but, you know, as the sport grows in popularity and more and more people take an interest in uh, our respective domestic T20 tournaments, and I'm sure it's only a matter of time before uh, we're, we're on a sofa somewhere, pluck, you know, sitting in front of NASA Hussein or Rob Key talking about uh the the intricacies of uh of cricket from our various nations right <laughs> only a matter of time um so let's have a look at this test series two matches and i'm sort of getting used to bangladesh playing the quickest of tours we had you know a whole series in new zealand which was over in two weeks and now sri lanka it feels only like a few days ago that they arrived there and and we've got two test matches out of it and where to start i mean going into the series there were a lot of people who were like why bother? It's effectively two dead rubbers, two teams who aren't having the best of times in Test cricket at the moment. There was obviously a lot of conversation about Shakib not being there for Bangladesh, but the sort of devout cricket fan in me went, no, 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 hang on. This is this is important. This is Test cricket. Sri Lanka and Bangladesh have always had a wonderful relationship. They've always sort of toured each other when they've needed to, and there's a nice relationship there. And so Bangladesh arrived, and then they played this warm-up match, and I saw the scorecard and the top four batsmen had retired. They'd, they'd got their half centuries and they'd retired. And I was like, mm, maybe this is the Sri Lankan cricket board doing a bit of a tactic here. They're giving Bangladesh a really flat pitch. They have no idea what to expect in the first test. And then the first test happened. <laughs> and where to start? So, I mean, what was it? Over a thousand combined runs. The flattest of flat pitches for five days. The, the stadium got a demerit point because it was so bad. And ultimately it was drawn. It felt to me like one of the most pointless test matches I've ever watched. And uh, I, I don't know how much of, uh, around the kind of pre-match or even in-match in stuff you read from the from the Sri Lanka camp in particular. But they, essentially they kind of said, yeah, this is the pitch we were preparing for because they believe... Mickey Arthur and the lads believe they've kind of got a, a nice set of young seamers coming through and they think they can prepare pitches in which they can get wickets on in SL. And it I don't think in since for the last kind of 20 years or so, I can't think of Sri Lanka playing on the pitch. Definitely in Sri Lanka that had so little going for it. I mean, it wasn't doing anything. It was there was no swing and there was no, there was absolutely no spin on it. There was Obviously, I didn't get up for the first ball because I'm a lazy shrunken. But um, I remember watching it on, uh, on the first day and, and Bangladesh were batting. And within like two or three overs, I was just like, there's no, it's impossible to get to, for either side to get 20 wickets on this. Uh, you could, each team could have batted for days, I think. The only, the only thing that was getting those players out was, was picking bad shots after batting mm. for like two whole days, uh, just fatigue essentially. It was a weird one because on the first day, I didn't have an idea that the pitch was that bad. I just thought this was a brilliant Bangladesh batting performance. And I, I was I was overjoyed. I was like, you know, 
Tamim was doing well. I was gutted for him. I think he was out on, uh, I want to say 90 or 92 in that innings. Um, one, one of two innings where he was out in the 90s. And then for me, suddenly there were a few things that were clicking into place. So there's a, 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 our, our number three, Nazmal Hussain Shantho, has had the worst time batting at number three. And suddenly he clicked into gear and got 163. Moment all Huck scored an away century. Um, his first away century after like nine or 10 at home. So it felt like there was a lot sort of clicking into gear, but then nothing happened. It just seemed to carry on and on. And yeah, you, like you said, there was nothing in it for the bowlers. It's a, it's a good, it's a good game for the coaches, right? Because going into it, Mickey Arthur was talking about how for the, for the shrunken batting unit, his kind of medium term plan is to get them all averaging 40 mm. around, around 40 in, in test matches. Right. And I think pretty much all of them, apart from maybe Andrew Matthews, ended up with a big score at somewhere along over those two series, mm. right? Mm. Um, I mean, Thirumana, who's one of our one of our mm. openers, he he's statistically at least he's one of the on form test batsmen in the world right now because he's, he's averaged since the beginning of the year. I think is is closer to sixty than fifty, right? And I, I think, and and obviously, when Shrunk's first innings in, in that first test, mm. uh, the captain Dimuth goes on and gets two forty odd, right? And and you're like, it's it's great for the, for batting averages, but for almost anything else, it's it's an utterly pointless test. I think from a coaching perspective, I think, or or from a fan's perspective, you can't really, particularly that first test. The second test ends up being a little bit different, but that first test, you can't really learn anything about either of those. Any, any of the any of the sides. I mean, maybe if, if you want the analysts, you might be you might notice something in someone's batting, but you know they're, they're watching cricket in a much deeper style than I'm watching it. On reflection of that first test, I started to wonder whether we had two teams there who were desperate to not lose, and that's a sad way to describe it. But with Bangladesh's record and the match, the, the series against West Indies and Sri Lanka having a fairly tough time as well, I wondered whether there was a lack of intent to win and somewhere in the back of their minds they just didn't want to lose and the reason I say that is because there were various points and I don't think a result was ever going to happen I don't think there was enough there to take all 20 wickets but there were points where Bangladesh's batting rate was okay test matches always going to be lower than a one-day international but there were moments where I was like well this is where you click into gear and go and go for a declaration I thought maybe Sri Lanka could have declared slightly earlier I thought maybe Bangladesh could have had a go at it and set a target there's there's elements of kind of competitive sportsmanship that you can put into action to go for a result. But I think as soon as it sort of hit the second day or maybe even the third day and people realised maybe the pitch wasn't doing a lot, it felt like they had settled for a draw by sort of lunch on day three. Yeah, I'd, I'd actually probably agree with you on that, actually. I think Sri Lanka just come off a test series in the West Indies where for the first time in a long time, they actually look competitive. You know, I, I'm, I'm grateful for the work that Mickey Arthur seems to be doing with them because he, he's he's got the team seeming to believe they could put performance in. But I think you're right. I think they went into that first test against Bangladesh absolutely petrified about losing that declaration on the last day. I don't know what the hell they were thinking about. Mm. I mean, it, it, it's, it's obviously, you know, park sides don't play for five-day test matches, but it's the kind of point, it got to the stage where I th- we had to try and get you guys all out in 30 overs or something, right? Wasn't it? It was mm. it just like, why would you ever think that? It's, it's kind of almost an insult to... To professional batsmen on that pitch, I think that that was a possibility. So let's move on to the the, the second test then. So the first test, essentially a write-off. I mean, Bangladesh and Sri Lanka, probably both quite happy to not end up on zero points in the in the old World Test Championship. They were Bangladesh's first twenty, so we'll take that. Um, 
And then the second test, it felt like it was the same pitch for at least the first three and a half days as Sri Lanka piled on the runs in that first innings, ending up on that, it was like 490-odd, 493. And then Bangladesh started batting and it looked like it was still flat. And then suddenly it, it just turned on day three, literally. Um, and Bangladesh went from a position where they looked like they were going to put on four or five hundred odd and, and, and lost, I think, the last five wickets in the space of 30 runs. And it led to a Sri Lanka win. And I sort of, part of me now wishes that maybe the, the pitch had changed maybe a couple of hours later in the days of Bangladesh had a chance because it turned and it turned for me very suddenly, I think. Yeah, it all seemed to happen on Saturday morning, right? Yeah, uh, it was just so quick. It was like <laughs> batting, batting, but suddenly, suddenly whoa, 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 it's doing things. Sri Lanka obviously won. Obviously, look, I'm, I'm overjoyed by it, but I think the biggest, you know, I can talk about work that Mickey Arthur's done or, or the new the new spinners that he brought in, but actually the biggest defining thing in this match was that they batted first. And if, if Bangladesh had batted first, you guys would have won. Mm. But I think, it, I, I think it's as simple as that, right? Because that first day, there was one wicket taken uh, which was a mistimed hit. And if that if that didn't happen, you know, there would have been no wickets. And if you guys had batted first, you, you'd have batted all day, batted into the into the second day. And then I imagine uh, when the pitch started turning on, on Saturday morning, we, we might have been into bat and then it would have, the pendulum would have swung the other way, totally. Who knows? It did feel like that. And for me, there was also a sort of subtle irony. Like, I mean, Bangladesh have been criticised for leaning heavily on spinners in test matches and so for the first time well we saw like a slightly more bowler heavy lineup in the, in the for, for Bangladesh but also we saw Bangladesh going actually we are going to start with some sort of out and out paces Tuscan Ahmed Sharif al-Islam and ironically it was it was a spinner that essentially won the test match for Sri Lanka after all that so yeah I mean in the end a, a good solid and, and well-deserved win for Sri Lanka I mean what were the positives for Sri Lanka from from the match in the series? From the, the series I think more confidence of the batsmen I want to Spare a moment for Narration Dickweller, who has played a lot of international cricket, got a lot of runs, and he's yet to get a century. And the poor guy was, I think, on 77, but he looked really set when we declared on in our first innings after getting 96 in the first game and getting himself out. He just, you just feel like he should have, he, he may well have got his century, but you know. I'm and, gonna add to that then, list. I'm gonna add to that list the Tommy Mickwell. I feel so bad for Tommy Mickwell. Two scores in his 90s, and like nobody deserved a century more than him in this match, given that they were handing them out left, right and centre. Nobody deserved one more than Tamim. Yeah, I mean, he kind of held your innings together. like Yeah. Cool. And, and then obviously our, our, our kind of young spinners as well. They, they, they've come through quite nicely. But Sri Lanka, you know, as you just said, talking about, you know, talking about Bangladesh, relying previously on spinners and, and trying to go with, with the pace, the pace unit on this. That was what the plan what we were being told was before the games, uh, before this series for Sri Lanka. And obviously that's not kind of worked out. It's also made me kind of rethink because often, you know, Asian teams, subcontinent teams get criticised for not being able to produce seam- enough seamers and pace bowlers. And But actually I'm now thinking maybe it's actually the wickets just don't let it happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, Bangladesh, like... like they have been criticised a lot for using spin-heavy attacks. So it was great to see the likes of Tuscan and Sharifal, um, both actually both very different, but very kind of quality stories. Tuscan's on this whole redemption story after having, you know, a really kind of difficult 2017 to 2019-ish. And his comeback has been amazing. And, you know, he finished with wickets and he could have had more had 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 the fielding maybe been on his side or if the pitch had been slightly more uh, uh, kind of helpful. And, and Sharifal, he's one of the under-19 World Cup winning squad and he's been fast-tracked into the team. 
And I thought both were really promising. And actually, I thought on a different pitch, on a different day, they would have come out with significantly more than they did. And so, you know, yes, Bangladesh lost the test and their figures tell a story. But from still watching and following it, you kind of think there's a lot of hope in that, in Bangladesh potentially leaning more on their paces. It, it seemed to have worked during the one day as in the West Indies. They, you know, they lost in New Zealand, but they did all right. They seemed to, you know, have, have sort of good uh, good shape and good rhythm to them. And and they, they, you know, for me, they did okay, even though they didn't necessarily have help from the pitch. So for me, there's a lot of hope going forward in, in what I would say Bangladesh's potential ability abroad. But yeah, uh, you know, like ultimately it just felt like a batting average uh, workshop for most of the Bangladeshi batsmen. And that's not to take anything away from Shantha, who who followed up his, his record-breaking score with two ducks. So not ideal. Uh, <laughs> but it was great to see Momin all getting away away century. Sometimes, you know, it's just good to scrub off that kind of, that 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 cloud that hangs over you. Um, and other than that, it's hard to know what Bangladesh learned from the Test Series because they now go into a one-day series at the end of the month with Sri Lanka. And then it is all eyes on the World T20. And I kind of worry whether like it happens so often with with teams like Bangladesh and Sri Lanka who don't play as much test cricket as the other nations, whether they've gone through it, things have gone right, things have gone wrong, and they sort of move on and they forget. And they forget because they've got something else to focus on. I'm, I'm going to say something very controversial, right? But I actually, I, I'm very much of the opinion there's no point in Sri Lanka playing test cricket. But what's the point? <laughs> it's a controversial opinion. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, no, because, right, I, I've been in Colombo when they've allowed fans to come into the stadium Unless you've got Australia or England or, or India or Pakistan, they really struggle to draw huge crowds, um, apart from, you know, unless a, a, a test a result looks imminent. I mean, the may, maybe the advantage is, is all right, if you, if you get England over, then you get 10,000 members of the Barmy Army turn up, and that's great. Yeah. But actually, from a cricketing point, and, and you know, the, the way the, the geopolitics of cricket is now is... Sri Lanka or Bangladesh, they're going to really struggle to ever get to a stage where they produce a a number one ranked test team and they produce players that are going to go out and, um, you know, get get scores and do stuff like they have in the past. You know, that said, Sri Lanka have a reasonable tradition of producing world-class cricketers, right? But I think, actually, you're you're doing the the actual cricketers... Uh, more for service by telling them to focus on, on the ODIs and the T20. That's where their money is. Playing domestic cricket, Sri Lanka is never going to make you a fortune. You're barely going to be able to to feed your family on it. To be to be honest, you'll be lucky if if you can you know make a career out of it in your in, into your late thirties, right? So you're definitely going to have to do another job afterwards. Every every if I was a professional, if I was advising young professional cricketers in Sri Lanka, my advice would be your basic main aim isn't even to make the T20 uh, I side, it's to make an IPL team, right? That's where the money is. Mm. That's what's going to feed your family and what's going what's to be, you know, economically uh, transformative for your family. Why don't you, we just focus on doing that? I mean, I, I, I've spoken a lot about two openers, Dhirumani and uh, Dimit Karunaratni, and, you know, th- they seem to be great blokes. I can't, you know, they seem to have great passion for the game but they don't get anywhere near. Well, actually, Thirumani does get into the ODI side when when we're having a, a spate of batting collapses and they want to mm. put someone to kind of, you know, to anchor, to, kind of the whole, to anchor it, anchor the whole thing on. But they're not getting, neither of those two players are getting anywhere near an IPL contract. And it's like, what is the point, you know, for with with the T20 World Cup on the horizon, with an, uh, with an ODI World Cup in a couple of years' time or three years' time, 
um, Sri Lanka would have done a lot more, basically inviting Bangladesh over and played a, you know, a seven match ODI series followed by five T20 matches. And the whole economics of test cricket doesn't really work for Sri Lanka, if, if you're going to be honest about it. Mm. And actually you're just doing it to ice the cake uh, of, of the cricketing cake that you're making, in my opinion. And, you know, we sit here going, what do they learn from it? They're playing on flat pitches. They didn't really learn a huge amount from it, right? And if, if their mindset mm. is, let's try and not lose these, these tests, then, again, what you learn from it, as you say, it's just trying to get your batting averages up. But what's the point of that? It's not like any of them are going to get transferred over to, to a country where they can make decent coin from domestic. Yeah, it, it's an interesting thought process. And obviously, you know, yeah, when you're a purist or a proper cricket fan, you're like, you know, test cricket. And I, and I get that. But I think, similarly, Bangladesh are going to come to a, an interesting stage now where our best five players are coming to their twilight years and they're going to have to make decisions. And we've already seen a hint of it um, through Shakib going, actually, I'm going to go play in the IPL because it will set me up for a, the World T20. Um, and Bangladesh as a team also sort of having a lot more specialist players. You know, Moment or Huck being a test player, Marmadilla doesn't, doesn't play test matches. The Fizz doesn't play test matches. I think, I think, it's, it's, I think it's an interesting time ahead for cricket in general. But most of all for countries like Bangladesh and Sri Lanka, where let's be honest, they want to play test cricket because they need to be seen to as well. You yeah. know, it's not just about money. You want to be part of the elite in the cricketing world. But a five test series between Bangladesh and Sri Lanka is not going to generate the same sort of money or interest as the ashes. And so how do you how do you, you know how do you rationalize that? And I think part of it is giving context to to test matches and i think the world test championship what has generally actually been fairly well received actually but i think maybe covid sort of scuppered any kind of real ambition for bangladesh it was all over before it began you know we, we've played four yeah. test matches all effectively dead rubbers so i think i think you know it, it's an interesting argument i know where you're coming from yeah i think but i think i, I, think, it, I think if you, what what actually I, I i spoke about uh you know bangladesh shrunken and the west indies being a kind of in a, in a little group together. And I think what they need to do is basically get together probably with uh, Zimbabwe, Afghanistan, Ireland, and just be like, look, test cricket only works for us if you can guarantee mm -hmm. that over the course of a five-year period, at some point we will get more than the odd test or more than the two test series against England, Australia, or India. Or at least so, have the big teams tour. I think that's have the Have the key. big teams tour, yeah. And, and it, it bewilders me that after the Cricket World Cup, where Bangladesh fans filled stadiums week after week, like really lifted them off the ground, that hasn't been more put in the diary. It, it, it is one of the things that bewilders me, but it is money and it is TV rights and it is sponsorship, isn't it? And, and yeah, you can only hope that that shifts in the years to come. So all in all, uh, a sort of a kind of interesting but slightly disappointing test series. It's done, it's dusted. In a couple of weeks' time, Bangladesh will face Sri Lanka in a one-day series with... Uh, World Cup qualifying points up for grabs. But for today, Mark, thank you so much for joining me. It's been great actually finally having you on and actually chatting cricket for the first time properly. I oh, know, it's been amazing. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. And definitely you've got to come to the Murillian sometime as well. Oh, I'm well up cross -pollinate. for that. Cross-pollinate. Like, I'm well up for that. Let's cross-pollinate the South Asian cricket. And what brilliant. an awful, awful image that is. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for listening to the Bangladesh Cricket Podcast. If you'd like to get in touch about anything you hear on the podcast, send me an email, podcast at bangladesh.co.uk. And we'll see you for the next one very soon.